Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. Shadows. They're fascinating, aren't they? We've all seen them portrayed as many things, spooky, foreboding, indicating that something typically bad is about to happen, yet the Bible paints a different picture of shadows as they relate to God. One of the most comforting passages of Scripture actually highlights how we have a great shadow under the wings of God to find rest in. It's as if it's saying, this is the best place to be when times are hard, to hide yourself in the shadows of God's wings like a bird nestles its chicks in her feathers so God wants to hide us in His love and know His comfort in times of trouble. So how do we experience that in our own lives? That's what we're taking a closer look at in our current series, The Shadow of the Almighty. Let's continue the upward journey. Good morning, Upward family. So great to see y'all today. Everybody doing well? Good, good. I'm so glad to hear that. You're looking well this morning. Glad you're here. This is message two in our series on Psalm 91. And hear me, when I introduced that we were going to be going through Psalm 91, it was overwhelming the number of people that reached out to me and said, man, I want to hear about Psalm 91. So many people have told me that Psalm 91 has been a refuge for them during times of anxiety. I've heard it over and over again. One precious lady told me that for years she would go to work and before she got out of the car, she would read Psalm 91 over her day to the point that she's memorized it now and she quotes it every morning before she goes to work. Another uh, friend told me that uh, Psalm 91 in the last year, God had just had him soaking and staying in that uh, for a couple of months. Another great friend of mine told me that at the beginning of the pandemic, and he was in healthcare and instrumental during that pandemic, he said that when the pandemic started, we were really afraid and didn't know what to do. And he said, God led us to Psalm 91. And Psalm 91 became a refuge for us that actually helped us to go out and do what we needed to do during the pandemic. So I've heard over and over again how Psalm 91 is a refuge for so many people in times of anxiety. How many have gone through a season of anxiety in your life before that it just really was a little bit... How many? Can I see a few more? I might get discouraged up here today. How many? Honestly, you've just been through a season of anxiety. Have you ever had anxious dreams I just want to make sure I'm not weird. How many of y'all have had the dream before where you're being chased by something and you're trying to run away and your legs just don't work? It's like you're in slow motion, you know. It's like your legs are caught in the mud. Is that just, can I see again? We all, that seems very common. I'll tell you what is common is the anxiety that we're all walking through right now. Uh, We tend to get anxious when we can't control things. We tend to get anxious when we can't really understand what's going on. We get anxious at times when times are unpredictable. And that's certainly what we're going through in the world today. Anxiety can be a huge issue for so many people. Psalms 91 is that for us. Have you ever felt like you just wanted to run away? You didn't know where? But it's like, let's just get in the car and go somewhere. 
I can't stand it here anymore. I've done that even recently. Just jumped in the car and driven away, not really knowing where I was going. I just knew I couldn't stand to be in that spot right now. And I just got away and took off and tried to find something somewhere else and just talked to God. I spent some time this week just driving in the car, quoting Psalm 91 over and over to myself. Here's the good news. It's not bad to run if you run to the right place. But if you run to the wrong place, you can really mess up your life. And I don't know about you, but I bet you're like me. Whenever I'm going through anxiety, there's a temptation to run back to some things that I know were never any good for me at all. If you're like most people, when you go through anxiety, the temptation is to run back to old patterns, old things that were comfortable old addictions, old relationships, things that you know in your mind never did work for you, that never brought you anything good. But when you're anxious and stressed and upset, you want to run to those things that hurt you. And can I just say, that is a lie from the enemy over your life. And you know better than that. So I want to encourage you today, it's okay to run. Just make sure you don't run to the wrong place. Because the enemy knows some of us that anxiety is one of our triggers for behavior that destroys our lives. And he will try to use that trigger to turn us back to our old ways. When you're anxious, I want you to run into Psalm 91. And get in there and let Psalm 91 comfort your heart and comfort your life. And that's why we're going through this. Now last week we took on verse 1 of Psalm 91 that says, He who dwells in the secret place, in the shelter of the Almighty, will in, in the shelter of God the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I only quote that about ten times a day and I flub it right here. When you come under God's shelter, you abide under His shadow. You come under the shelter of El Elyon, the Most High, you abide under the shadow of El Shaddai, the Almighty. And that's a great theological truth. It's a great principle to live your life by. It is a theological statement that the psalmist put right at the beginning in verse 1 that lays a foundation for the whole rest of the psalm. If you abide under the shadow of the Almighty, live under that. Walk under that. Run into the shelter of the Most High. It's a beautiful statement, but I love verse 2. We took on all of verse 1 last week. This is supposed to be a four-week series, and we did one verse last week. And guess how many we're doing this week? One more. Uh, Verse 2, and I love verse 2. It says, read it with me. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. I love, love, love verse 2 of Psalm 91. You know why I love it so much? Because it takes the truth of verse 1. It takes a theological assertion of truth and makes it a very personal declaration. The psalmist made this one very personal. It's one thing to know good theology. It's a whole other thing to actually declare that truth over your life with your own mouth. It's good to hear a good sermon, as y'all get every week, without fail. Just bring it on. 
You get that. It's another thing to speak that truth with your own mouth over your own life. Theology without application will make you boring at parties. And that's it. Theology without application will make you feel better about yourself, but everybody else is going to like you a lot less. There's no point in studying the theology if we don't actually decide to make it personal and apply it to our lives. You know, you could come to every part of this series in Psalm 91, and they're all going to be awesome. You knew that, didn't you? You just knew that. You could come and listen to all these and say, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that really is a wonderful thing. And yeah, even you could even say, yeah, I believe that's true. But where the rubber meets the road, where the difference is really made, is if you will choose to take this and personally apply it to your life and speak it over yourself as a declaration of who you actually trust and who you actually believe in. As I read through this psalm, I love it because verse 2 is so personal. It is so easy to say, He who dwells in that shelter and in that shadow. It's so easy to use the pronoun He because that's talking about everybody else. It's so easy for me to preach to you about anxiety, but it's so hard when I turn the conversation to I. Let me put it this way. I am much better at comforting other people through their anxiety than I am at comforting myself. I tend to have more faith for you than I do for me. I can remain calm when you're going through something, but when I'm in the middle of it, i got a problem. I don't like theology without application. I don't like people who preach something that they have no intention of living. It's a good word for somebody. Before you start preaching it, live it. Because your life preaches a lot more than your words do. The psalmist is doing this in verse 2. He's saying, I've given you a wonderful truth, a foundational truth that you can base your life on. But now I'm going to demonstrate for you that I am actually applying this to my life. I love the pronouns. He goes from talking about he out there to saying, I will declare of the Lord. I will say this of the Lord. He it Notice, I will say it. He is my refuge, my fortress. He is my God, and in Him I will trust. He makes it personal. He brings it home. Now, I love that he, he says this. He speaks it out. He said, I will say of the Lord. He uses actually the words, I will, twice. He says, first of all, I will say something of the Lord. Then he says, I will trust. That's where this psalm becomes very practical. There are two things I can do in this secret place that makes life a whole lot better. And it involves what I say and who I trust. Psalmist said, I will say of the Lord. 
He is my refuge and my fortress. He is my God. And in Him, I will trust. What is so important here, first of all, is what you say. The psalmist said, he didn't just say, the Lord is my refuge. He said, I will say, the Lord is my refuge. Have you ever been in a tight situation, a difficult situation, and you knew the right thing to do was to trust God? And you knew the right thing to do was to praise God in the middle of it. That's absolutely the right thing to do. When you're going through a difficult time, if you will praise the Lord, it will elevate you and your problems will, be, will become smaller and your God will become bigger. Your fear will go down, your faith will go up if you will praise God in the middle of difficult circumstances. But I don't feel like it. When I'm in a storm, I want to whine and complain a little bit. When I'm in a storm, I want everybody to know how bad I'm suffering. When I'm in a storm, my human nature wants to magnify the problem by complaining. But there are times I just have to say to myself, I will say that I trust the Lord. Have you ever just had to declare something when you didn't feel like it? We don't know the background of Psalms 91. We don't even know the author. Scholars debate whether Moses or David wrote this psalm or maybe somebody else. We don't know exactly what they were going through. The one thing I love about the Psalms is they are very raw and they're human and they're emotional and they give these wonderful theological truths right up against human suffering. And I, I get a feeling that as this psalmist wrote Psalms 91 and verse 2, that he's making a declaration when he doesn't necessarily feel it, but he's saying, I make a decision in this difficult moment to say, He is my refuge, He is my trust. Folks, sometimes you just got to say the right thing. Did you know your words have tremendous power? Your words have tremendous power over your life. What you say determines the direction over your life. Now, I know Christians who, and I don't mean this in a, in a way to condemn anyone, but I know some Christians who the words that come out of their mouths sound more like the enemy than they do Jesus because they're speaking negatively of themselves. Have you ever said negative things over yourself? I'm just not good enough. I'm ugly. I don't have any gifts. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. I'm rejected everywhere I go. I'll never be anything. I'll never amount to anything. Sometimes we take the lies of the enemy that have been put on our lives by other people and we mimic them and we actually speak them over ourselves. And they actually lead us to what we're saying. Did you know what you speak determines so much of your direction in your life that when you speak negatively over your own life, it pulls you down. And hear me today, the devil doesn't need any help. This world doesn't need any help. Your critics don't need any help. Start loving yourself. Start speaking blessing over yourself. Start speaking healing over yourself. But above all, in the middle of a trial, declare the Lord as your refuge and as your strength. And as your fortress, and if you speak that over your life, the level of your life is going to raise up. You see, 
our words can either build up our faith or tear it down. We need to make the decision that the psalmist made to make this theological truth personal in our lives and to declare it over our lives. Now this does not mean you put on a fake smile. You ever run into one of those Christians, they, they've got a smile in a drawer somewhere? And they decide to put it on? Everything's okay. Honest moment here. You ever had a fight with your spouse on the way to church? You have. I know you have. I can tell. Some of you have today. Some of you... <laughs> I just know this because of humanity. Some of you are not speaking right now. <laughs> but you look like, oh, everything's fine. Come to church, you get out of the car. I mean, you've had this tense moment in the car. There's like a cloud in the car, right? One of you is late. You made us late to church this morning. Or... Here's one I've had. We're not stopping to buy coffee. We got free coffee at church. Have you seen the cafe? We're not stopping this time. <laughs> or something comes up from the week. The devil will get in the car with you. But if you get with some of these Christians, and I'm not, I'm just saying you don't have to be this way, but if you get with some of these Christians, they'll get out of the car, and there's actually a cloud around them. And they're all angry, but they come in, the greeter says, how you doing? They're like, I'm too blessed to be stressed, brother. Got victory in Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. God's been good, hasn't he? God's been good. You're just lying. You're lying like a dog. You know it. You're lying. That's all that is. That's not faith. That's lying. I'm not saying do that. No. Jesus set me free a long time ago from having to be fake. He set me free from having to perform for anybody. He set me free. If, I, if he's pleased with me, I don't have to worry about everybody else. So you don't have to fake it. This is not fake it till you make it. Here's what it is, though. When you're hurting and when you are in despair and in turmoil, when you're in the middle of a terrible storm, you learn to declare God as your source and as your strength and as your refuge. You speak it out, and you can say, I'm hurting Life seems to really stink right now, but I'm going to say it over my life. God is my answer. He is my fortress. He is my refuge, and in Him I will trust. If you'll learn to say that, things will change in your life. In the Old Testament, there's a bunch of uh, titles for God in Hebrew. We've got like a couple of words if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see God, 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 Lord, 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 Lord. We only have a few words for God. They had like 27 in Hebrew, more. The very first title of God used in Genesis 1-1 is a Hebrew word called Elohim. And it was a very powerful word in Hebrew that, that meant God, the creator of everything that we can see. I drove by a beautiful river this morning. God made it. I drove through some beautiful mountains this morning. God made it. When you use the term Elohim, you're saying the God of all this, the God of all creation, the God that spoke this into existence, Elohim. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. It blesses my heart that when the psalmist said, He is my God, he said this, he used the word Elohim. He said, The creator 
of the universe is my Elohim. He used covenant language of Israel to say, I'm walking in covenant with the creator of this whole universe. He has made promises to me and I'm in covenant relationship with him. He is my God. Oh, when you start declaring that over your life in the middle of the storm, nothing can mess with you. When you start declaring that over your life in the middle of the most turbulent storms, nothing can overcome you. You may be in the middle of the storm and the winds and waves are blowing and the thunder is booming and the lightning is flashing and you don't know what to do, but you see Jesus in the middle of that storm and he says, come to me, come to me. And you're in a boat. There's a story about this, by the way. And you decide to step out of your comfort zone and start walking towards Jesus. And the storm is raging around you, but you're now walking on water. Notice, if you know the story, Peter did not walk on water during calm. He walked on water during storm. And he kept looking at Jesus. I just wonder if Peter walking on water was quoting Psalm 91. I will say of the Lord, He is... That's how it feels. He is my... People don't walk on water, folks. Do you think he jumped out of the boat? Just, woo, hallelujah. No, he's like, oh, God, I will say of the Lord. Hang on to me, Jesus, hang on. He's walking on water. You try that. But even in the midst of that, this miraculous thing, the Bible said he heard the waves. Now, this is just reality. You're walking with Jesus. You know he's got you. You're walking in the miraculous, but you hear the wind and the waves, and you hear the thunder and see the lightning. This is my battle. I don't know if it's yours, but I bet it is. I got my eyes on Jesus, but all of a sudden, I hear something booming over there. And if I'm not careful, I'll get my eyes off him, and I'll look at the storm. And when that happens, I start sinking. When that starts happening, my feet start sinking beneath the surface. And the miraculous thing I've been walking in starts to go away. And I'm lost. Now, here's the good news. Jesus' grace is there in that moment. Because when Peter got distracted and started to sink, Jesus grabbed him by the hand. And then, this is often overlooked, they both walked back to the boat. He got right back in that supernatural realm because Jesus saved him by his grace. But the lesson to take away from all this is this. When you're making the declaration of who he is and you recognize him for who he is and you keep your eyes on him, you will not sink no matter what that lightning and that thunder and that wind and that waves do in your life. No matter how loud they are, you will not sink because your eyes are on him. And when you speak that, it keeps you centered on him and not on your storm. I will declare of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. And in Him, I will trust. I'm in covenant relationship. I was praying this week, and I hope you'll be able to receive this because it may sound strange to some, but I was praying this week. I've been walking through a, a season of anxiety in my own life and, and um, just a few uncertainties, and I'm just saying, God, help me through this. And I'm really trying to keep my eyes on Jesus, and I'll get to a good place, then I'll hear the lightning. 
or I'll see the lightning and hear the thunder. Anybody relate? You ever just been through a season like this? I got alone in prayer the other day on Friday, and I just said, God, I've got to hear from you. I've got to hear from you. And God speaks to me a lot of times, and he'll speak to you just like he does me in the Word. He'll speak through his Holy Spirit in our hearts. He'll speak through other people sometimes. He speaks through my wife all the time to me. Thank God for my wife because she's a messenger of the Lord for me a whole lot of times. But many times God will speak to me in pictures that he puts in my mind. And I'll hear God's voice through a picture. And I had the strangest one happen the other day, and I hope it'll mean something to you. I, I was praying, saying, God, what is going on? And all of a sudden, in my heart and my mind, I saw a computer screen. And on that computer screen, it said, it had the little bar that's going across, and it said, system upgrade in process. And God said, son, this season, I'm upgrading you. And I'm upgrading upward. Can I just say this about upward? Where are you all coming from? <laughs> what in the world? We just divided into three services and it looked like we it looks like we didn't. It looks just like it did with two. And every Sunday I'm meeting these new faces. I'm like, wow, where where the where'd y'all come from? And God's just upgrading. And the Lord said, Son, I'm upgrading you and I'm upgrading this body. Here's the deal about a computer upgrade. When you turn on the computer and you see that, you're like, oh no. First of all, I need to get to work. This is an inconvenience. Hurry up. Don't stop at 15%. Come on, hurry. And deep in your heart, you get a feeling like it's going to be better when this is done. But you are a little concerned when that computer reboots up again that this is going to work out okay. You have little control over it because when the manufacturer of the computer programs a season of upgrade for you, that's just all you got to do. You've just got to wait on the bar. Come on, 21%. I got to go to work. It's scary. You walk through it, but I want to declare this over you right now. The season you're in right now, God's working an upgrade over you. He's taking you to a higher place. Will you just trust the Lord on this? He's got you. And when you get through this, you're going to be at a better place. More like Jesus. More able to do what he's called you to do. It's an upgrade. That's what this season is. You can hang on to that and you can trust God with that. I prayed over this and I'm making it true for my own life. It's an upgrade. The psalmist said two things I will do. Number one, I will say. Then number two, I will trust. God's spoken to me many times. He's given me many words. I have a whole file on my computer that I type in and I save words from God that I've received over my life. And sometimes I go back and read them. Because I want those promises to bolster me on through anxious times. I will trust. The thing God has spoken to me more than anything else. I've been serving him since I was 19 years old. And uh, 
I grew up in church and everything, but I really made a decision to follow Jesus when I was 19. The thing God has said to me more than any other thing is, trust me. Trust me. Here's what I found to be true. What I say leads me to who I trust. And who I trust leads me to the victory. If I speak the devil's language, it leads me to him, to fear and confusion and chaos. But if I declare, I know whom I've believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that that I've committed unto him against that day. Yeah, I jumped to the New Testament, but I know who he is, and I believe him. What you say leads you to who you trust, which leads you to victory. Best example of this I know of is in the... Uh, in the New Testament, there was a moment when Jesus was in a town and a man came to him named Jairus. And he, was a, uh, he worked in the temple. He served in, served in the Jewish religion in the temple. And uh, Jairus told Jesus, he found him, and he said, my little girl is sick and possibly dying. And I know if you'll come lay your hands on her, she'll be healed. See, Jairus spoke it. And I love this about Jesus. Jesus said, let's go. Jesus got right up and went right out. And before he got there, the little girl died and Jesus raised her from the dead. Jairus spoke it. He trusted Jesus, led him to Jesus, and he got the victory. But in the middle of it, Jesus comes out of the place he's in and people start crowding around him like Walmart on Black Friday. That's what this scene is like. Jesus is like in the middle of it. Or like, you ever been to Disney World and watched the fireworks? It's Disney World right after the fireworks and everybody trying to get to their car. You're being carried along with the crowd and you better keep your feet moving. You know what I'm talking about? Jesus is in this crowd and people are grabbing him, touching him, yelling to him, wanting the miracle, wanting a word with him. And Jesus is in this huge crowd and the disciples are navigating with him through the crowd. And he's just being beat and he's from side to side all over and, and, and he's going to do an urgent mission so they're trying to get through this crowd as quickly as they can when all of a sudden the Bible said Jesus felt power go out of him from nowhere he's just walking along and all of a sudden what happened now I love this Jesus was surprised by this now before you think I'm preaching heresy I know Jesus was God and God knows everything, but when Jesus walked on this earth, he walked as a human being empowered by the Holy Spirit. He laid aside his prerogatives as deity and walked as a human, as we can walk. So he's walking along, going to do something, when all of a sudden, he felt a miracle go out of him. Whoosh! That just says how sensitive he was to the Holy Spirit too. When God did something, he felt it. I might preach a series on this story because it's almost my favorite story in the Bible, maybe my favorite. And he said, who touched me? <laughs> and the disciples said what I would have said. What? <laughs> you crazy? I'd have been scared to say that to Jesus, but they're like, what? Master, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? 58 people have touched you in the last second. Jesus said, 
I felt power go out of me. Somebody touched me. And he said he looked around about to see a woman laying on the ground. And it said she, fearing and trembling, fell down at his feet and told him all the truth. See, here's this woman's story. She had been hemorrhaging for 12 years. Can you imagine bleeding for 12 years? And it was worse for her than it would be for you and me. In her culture, she was not allowed, in the Jewish culture, she was not allowed ever to touch anybody while she was bleeding. And her bleeding was described as a fountain. It was continual. She could not touch anybody or they would have to go through a purification ritual to cleanse themselves. She was permanently unclean. Not only that, the Bible said she'd, she'd had this 12 years and she'd suffered many things from many physicians and spent all she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. Then it says this, it said, When she heard of Jesus, oh, what a glorious moment. I'm going to cry talking about this. When she heard of Jesus, it says she came in the press behind and touched his garment. She just touched his clothes. And here's what's powerful about this. Mark, it says it this way. For she said. Let this sink in. What she said. She said, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be whole. That's not the way this works, woman. You're supposed to come to Jesus and ask Him, first of all, if He wants to heal you. He's got to be conscious of all this. And then He decides whether or not He wants to heal you. And then if He wants to heal you, He lays hands on you. And then you get your miracle. You know what I've learned? Don't box God in. She determined by her words how this was going to happen. Are you listening to me today? She determined by her words how this was going to happen. And it caught Jesus off guard. He's just walking along, going to hear Jairus' daughter. And he's like, what, what happened here? And it said, when she touched her gar his garment, according to what she said, says immediately the fountain of her blood dried up. Imagine the freedom after 12 years. The blood stopped the moment she touched his clothes. Pretty powerful too. She touched his clothes, not him, because she wasn't allowed to touch him. And she's at his feet. And he's looking at her. And he says this to her. She told him what happened. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Now I want to say this to you. He healed the fountain of her blood as she touched him. But he healed something else when he said daughter. He brought her in to the family. As an outcast, she's now in. What she said led her to the one she could trust who led her to the miracle. I love the psalmist said, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank You for today. The privilege of serving You and knowing You and walking with You today. I ask in Your name 
that your word may produce everything it's called here today to produce, that every heart would open to what you have to do in us, in Jesus' name, with heads bowed and eyes closed in a holy moment before God. And we're not going to embarrass anybody this morning, I promise you. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm saying yes to Jesus today. It's my day, not tomorrow, not next week. I'm saying yes to Jesus as my Savior. Can I see your hand right now? Raise it up high where I can see it. Somebody this morning. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for that hand right there. Give praise to God for that. Anybody else? Anybody else? Uh, We've had a bunch of hands going up this weekend. Last week, nine people came to Jesus last week. This week, people are coming to him as well. Now I want to ask a second question. Anybody in, in just a season right now, and you want to latch on to that word, this is an upgrade. Can you say, Pastor, that's for me. I'm taking this right now as an upgrade. Can I see your hand right now? Just as an act of faith before God, I'm taking this as an upgrade from the Lord. Amen. May it be done to you as you respond to the word of the Lord. I want to pray right now for those saying yes to Jesus. And I want you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I believe it. And I receive it. You paid the price for my sins. So that I can be forgiven. And free. And living for you. I receive you as my Savior and as my Lord. And from this day forward, my life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we celebrate that as you stand to your feet today? You ready to be blessed today? Let me bless you today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Some of you right here today, this season for your life has just been so exhausting for you. You're just tired. It's been been more than you felt like you could handle. And you've questioned that saying, God won't give you more than you can handle. Oh, He does. He gives you nothing that He can't handle. But you've just felt like the earth cracked open in front of you and you're standing at the edge of a precipice and you're afraid you're going to fall in be swallowed by this situation you're in now the Lord knows right where you are and he says to you this morning fear not for I'm with you be not dismayed for I am your God and I will uphold you with my right hand of righteousness he will uphold you today through this storm declare it over your life I declare it over you Now go in the power of the Holy Spirit and make Jesus known in your world. I commission you and send you out in Jesus' name. Love you all so much. Thank you for being here, every one of you. Love you. We hope to see you again next week. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue The Upward Journey.